Lord, we thank you for your presence here in this place. And I ask, Lord, that you teach us how to pray tonight. Thank you for what you've been teaching us. We thank you that you'll continue teaching us, God, and we want to journey deeper into this thing you call prayer. So we thank you for the privilege, the invitation that you've given, and we say yes tonight in your mighty name. Amen. All right, open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, and then also to 2 Kings 6. So we're going to start in Ephesians 2, and we're going to go to 2 Kings 6, but I want us to be there. So if you can, like, put a bookmark or something in 2 Kings 6 so you can find it real quick once we get going. So I'll give you a quick moment there about prayer. I'm going to continue this uh, Divine Invitation series talking about prayer um, so, uh, who, who has been uh, challenged by the last couple of weeks, or at least enlightened in some ways, and seen some fruit in their prayer life? That's good. Awesome. Well, let's keep going in that, because uh, really taking us on a journey here. And uh, so, two weeks ago, it was on resting prayer and time alone with the alone, and advocating for silence, creating a space to be present with God and receive his love was the emphasis of that night. And prayer begins receiving his love. Then last week was uh, adoration, which was the giving of his love back, expressing it back. And talked about art, that prayer is like art. And who saw the art in the lobby? Isn't it awesome? Uh, so that is out there. I, don't, I wasn't out there in between services, so I imagine some of it has been purchased. But I saw some before, and it was beautiful. But um, you can purchase that, and 20% of the proceeds will go towards our missions in Southeast Asia, India. Um, so do that, but we really want to honor creatives is why we're doing this, and the arts. Uh, if you study, like, history, uh, the arts are always prophetic on the edge of where cult can be going, and so they kind of are like the tip of the spear, and so we really want to honor creatives and artists in our community and what they're expressing, and so these are prayerful creations that they made, uh, which I think is really cool. Living prayers out loud right out there, so go check them out afterwards. Um, and talked about passion and vulnerability, that it's our passion that makes prayer beautiful, and as we express ourselves to God, we create something uh, that's greater than just what... Um, you know, just then it's more than just words. It's something that moves the very heart of God. Uh, and now this week, um, you know, so we received vertical. So we're in this vertical last two weeks. And I said that vertical ministry will proceed horizontal. And so now in prayer, we're going to go horizontal and talk about the topic of intercession. And intercession is uh, literally just defined. It's to stand in the gap. And so uh, there's God on the throne of heaven. There's us on earth, and then there are his people. And so as an intercessor, we're given the privileged place to stand in between and advocate on behalf of, of people or things and, and really praying to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So that is the role of the intercessor, and I believe that uh, you know, everyone has a, uh, a call um, or a, a role, really, to be an intercessor. So some people have, um, they're more like, I'm. that's my main thing is intercession. Um, but all of us are called to intercede. And it is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And so I've talked about a few times throughout this series that the goal of New Testament prayer is to pray with God as opposed to to him. 
And so I'm going to kind of build on that dynamic tonight and really try to describe what I'm talking about and explain the significance of those statements, even though they're very similar in language, you know, just changing to for with, um, but it's a big shift. And so um, in all of this, when I, when I speak in this, all this whole series, when I speak of praying with God, um, I'm talking about proximity. I'm talking about that you're actually near and in relationship with God. So we're resting in his presence. We are adoring Jesus, pouring like perfume at his feet. And so now tonight we're going to intercede alongside Jesus. So in all these things when we're praying, God's wanting us to pray with him in relationship to, you know, connected. So when I say, you know, we want to pray with God, not to God, you know, I I can write a letter to someone that I don't know. Does that make sense? But I can't, I, can't, I can't talk with someone without knowing them. So we're wanting to be in proximity, near, connected to Jesus in prayer. And so in intercession tonight, um, I'm, we're going to talk about interceding alongside Jesus, who is the great intercessor. And there is a very big difference between interceding with Jesus and interceding to Jesus. And I just want to take some time to explain that. Um, So the last two weeks, we've talked about um, aspects, really, of coming into an intimate, connected place with Jesus, receiving in silence, resting and receiving his love, adoring him, right? This is very much just between you and the Lord, and that's work. There's time involved, right? You're striving to enter his rest. I'm going to talk about this as a discipline cultivated that we're creating space to commune with God. But the the amazing thing is that as we... um, you know, abide in those, those last two messages, what I was teaching, and we, we learn to abide in God, there is a very dynamic shift that takes place within our spirit man. So we are literally um, in our spirit, there's a positional shift that takes place, right? So as I'm praying and I'm doing the work of abiding in God, though I'm remaining on earth, I'm not changing my physical location or my GPS location on planet earth, in my spirit, there is a shift. There's a positional change that happens. And that is that I'm no longer just on earth. I'm actually uh, in Christ in heavenly places on the throne of God. And you should be at Ephesians 2. I just want to reference scripture here because that sounds a little out there. Um, But right here, and we're going to read Ephesians 2, verse 4 through 6. And it says, But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And then here it is. And raised us up with him. And seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's crazy. That's a, whoa, right? It's like, I don't really know how to wrap my head around that. Okay, but there's a positional shift. So when I do the work of abiding, the, pl- the place I'm abiding in is God. And where is God? On the throne of heaven, which is the very pinnacle, the highest place in all of the universe. Uh, It's a realm that we don't quite understand. I don't know where it is or what it is exactly, but it is the place everyone wants to be. Would you agree with that? Right? It, It holds in that place the power, the authority, and the perspective, perfect perspective. 
right? So this positional shift that takes place in my spirit man access to the wishes me to do something very profound, which is I have access to the wisdom of God. I have access to the perspective of what God sees when he looks at earth, when he looks at my circumstances. Are you following me? Right? Because we oftentimes say, you know, I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. It's like, yeah. It's kind of like this ethereal thing, though. It's like, what does that actually mean? Has anybody ever asked that? They're like, yeah, you know, it's cool. It sounds awesome. But, you know, I'm hungry now and I need to eat. You know, like, how does that help me right here? Okay? So what it practically translates as is it's speaking of friendship. In John 15, Jesus discloses, you know, I don't call you servants anymore. I call you friends because servants don't know what their master's doing. But to friends, I disclose myself. Okay, so Jesus is saying he's, he's walked three years with his disciples. Okay, over the course of this discipleship, they have built history with Jesus. And there is now this recognition that Jesus is saying, I trust you with my heart now. Okay, before you were servants, you didn't know what I was doing, you didn't know what I was thinking, you didn't know what I was saying. But not anymore. Now I call you friends. And friends get disclosed, my heart. Right? So when I'm saying, seated in Christ in heavenly places, I'm speaking of your spirit is now in a place of disclosure. Where God is trusting your heart. Right? He's now, I'm going to give you my heart. I'm going to give you what I'm thinking. I'm going to share with you my burdens. I'm going to share with you my hopes. I'm going to share with you my desires. Right? But where does this come? This comes from the work, right? Building history with God. And how do you build history with God? You invest time. Exactly. You invest time alone with the alone. In prayer settings, communing in the presence, now you enter into this place where your spirit begins to abide, seated with Christ in heavenly places, accessing the wisdom and the perfect perspective of God as he looks upon the earth. Right? God doesn't want us praying to him because when we're praying to him, that is saying, I'm on earth praying up to God that he'll help me. Praying with God is God saying, I'm pulling you up with me, and we're going to pray together from my perspective. Following me? Okay, so now turn to 2 Kings 6. I'm just going to, here's a Bible story that I think really um, demonstrates and brings that point even more to life. So we're going to start 2 Kings 6, um, verse 8, and this is about the prophet Elijah, a story surrounding him. And here we go. Says the king of Aram, which is an enemy of Israel, was warring against Israel. And he counseled with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. So he's making battle plans. The man of God, who's Elijah, sent word to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Arameans are coming down there. The king of Israel sent to that place about which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, so that he guarded himself there more than once or twice. Now the heart of the king of Aram was enraged over this thing, and he called his servants and said to them, Will you tell me which of us is for the king of Israel? One of his servants said, No, my lord, O king. But Elisha the prophet who's in Israel tells the, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. <laughs> Just, I laughed last service too. I just think it's hilarious. So, so he said... 
Go and see where he is that I may send and take him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, Elisha's in Dothan. He sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. So before I move on, I just want to describe what's happening in case you missed it. Right, so the king of Aram, uh, the Aramean uh, army, he's saying, hey, we're going to go there. He's making strategies how to fight Israel. Okay? And Elisha, uh, is, God is speaking to him um, because he's a friend, and he's disclosing to him the perspective from his perspective. Yeah, that's where he's going, so tell the king not to go there. And it says it happened more than once or twice. And then the, and he's like, no, he's, he's, telling, he's telling the king what happens in your bedroom, right? Like, um, Elijah is demonstrating the power of friendship with God. Are you following me? He, he's having a place of disclosure with the Most High. And it's frustrating the king. So the king of Aram, I just think this is awesome. This is actually kind of a caveat, but it's worth it. There comes a point where the king of the Arameans realizes that the army of Israel is less of a threat than Elisha, the friend of God, who was getting disclosed the perspective of heaven. <laughs> Whoa! One man with God's a radical majority. A friend of God is about the scariest thing to hell that they can imagine. right? Because a friend of God is in such a place that they're living in the disclosure of heaven. And he's the omnipotent, all-knowing one crazy. This is amazing. It's why we want to pray with God. Because when we are praying with God, our prayers are powerful and effective, and hell starts to tremble. So anyways, let's keep going. Verse 15. So this is uh, the next morning. So uh, they sent the whole Aramean army to uh, surround Elisha because he was the threat, not the army of Israel. So now, uh, when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city. And a servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So I think when it comes to intercession, we have uh, two paradigms that we can pray from. We can pray from the paradigm of the servant, or we can pray from the paradigm of the prophet. And there are two very pers different perspectives at play on each. The servant wakes up and sees the crisis, which we all face all the time. And he has emotional reaction to the crisis that then goes to the prophet, which was, you know, that's where people went when they wanted to commune with God. What shall we do? Right? And I'm going to go away from the story for a second. But anytime I find myself emotionally reacting to crises in life, what I start praying are things like escape prayers. Like, get me out of this. Like, right, if I put myself in that servant's shoes, and it may, say we modernize it, and I wake up, and my best bud's wanted by the feds, and I wake up, and there is SWAT teams everywhere outside my door, 
my best prayers, maybe I could find a tunnel to escape, right? Like, like that's the best thing that I'm going to be praying. Oh, Lord, help. Oh, Lord, don't let us get a, you know, like I'm praying prayers such as those. And those are very much bound by my perspective and my thinking and my emotional reaction. Does that make sense? Right? So when we are stuck on an earthly perspective, we're, we're, we, we can't pray what God's praying. Right? And our prayers are like, they don't even measure up to what he's praying. Because we wouldn't think what he's thinking. Right? So you have the servant freaking out. And then you have the prophet who's like, oh, no, 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 no. You don't even need to worry. <laughs> we're good. You're like, there's a whole army, Elisha. No, 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 just, Lord, open his eyes. And, it, and, and the Lord lets this servant see from the place of friendship, which is empowered by the perspective of heaven. And Elisha's like, no, no, the armies of heaven are behind us. And if we want to go New Testament, if God is for us, who can be against us? Yet so often when hell and life and all the messes that come against us, we find ourselves like the servant. What are we going to do? And we start praying, just praying prayers, praying prayers, trying to fix and clean up problems. When God's just like, yeah, here's what we're going to do. And Elijah's like, pray, blind their eyes. Then he goes out there and walks them on a journey, lets them go. God, open their eyes, opens, boom. They leave, never come back to Israel, and they get the victory. God's ways are not our ways. So we need to take time, and we need to do the work of resting, at a intercede. When we in a life of intimacy, cultivating history with God, so that when we intercede, when we come into the crises of life, which demand and need our intercession, we are positioned to operate in the perspective of heaven. Does this make sense? We want to pray like the prophet. We want to be aware of what God's doing, so that we can then partner with Him in our prayers. Not trying to convince him to help us get out or fix it. Follow me? Yeah. Okay. So I'm advocating, I, I talked a couple weeks ago that, you know, there's all these promises, John 14, John 15, John 16, 1 John. Uh, it, there's a similar phrase, something along the lines of, if you pray anything in my name, it will be done. Right? And I, I shared a couple weeks ago, someone said, you know, I don't know if I believe that promise. I don't think that's true. And in that conversation, I said, well, we need to spend some more time on the in my name portion, right? And the in my name is the work of abiding, right? In my name is in his nature, is seated with him in heavenly places, right? Is in this place of disclosure, right? So if you pray anything from this lofty place of disclosure, of abiding in God, it will be done, amen? Right, so if we can, instead of, we can let go of our emotional responses and we can learn because not just in the crises am I abiding, but in all my life, I'm prioritizing time alone with the alone. I'm adoring him. I'm worshiping him. I'm so connected to him that even when life starts going, my response is I retreat, get connected, receive, give back. Then I'm positioned to a place of disclosure. He starts filling me with his perspective, Right? Does make sense? So here's the, here's the thing, though. Here's the next place we're going to go. I did all that, Jordan. I, I was in a place. The Lord spoke to me. I know what his will was. 
Like, I know what I'm supposed to pray. He brought me in the night to the scripture passage, and he spoke to me. And I know what I'm supposed to pray over my family. In his name, it will be done. And I prayed, and then it didn't happen. Anybody experience that? Disappointment punched you in the mouth. What happened? I did it in his name. I did everything you said. Um, this is a normal experience. This happens to all of us. And uh, this takes me to my next point, which is uh, perseverance. There's power in perseverance. But I again want to uh, extrapolate, grow upon this, the importance of praying with God as opposed to just to God, with him, in relationship to him. So we are all junior partners with our papa in the family business of bringing heaven to earth. I love that. That's like the most exciting thing of my life is we get to, we get to join dad at work. You know, and he's got a really big role and he shoulders the responsibility and the burden and so many things. But he has given us some responsibilities and he, he grows us in this because he wants us to become mature sons and daughters. Um, and if you turn back to Ephesians, I'm going to jump one chapter forward to chapter 3. And uh, this, specifically in the light of prayer, describes our role uh, in the family business as junior partners with our papa. And it's in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. says that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places, right? So what this speaks of is that uh, our life is a battle, that there's a war going on, right? And sometimes we forget this um, in Western uh, in Western civilization as the church because the church largely is not persecuted. Um, I shared this last service, and it's it's heavy, um, but I, I got a, a Facebook message about a week and a half ago. I woke up to it. Opened it, and it was from a pastor in India with a picture of a pastor about two hours away from where we do a lot of ministry, and he'd been um, hung to death in his church, hanging from the rafters. Sent me the picture, opened it up, and saw it, and it was just like, I don't know what to do with that. Um, but the reality is that we're in a war, and our battle is not against flesh and blood, it's against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places, in the skies. Right? And our job as the church is to make known the manifold wisdom of God to these rulers in the skies. Right? We're to proclaim the wisdom of God. Right? The, the, the perfect manifold, it's like multifaceted. It's like a diamond that you can look at from, and it's from 100 different ways. It looks 100 different you know, perspectives. It's this manifold, perfect wisdom of God. And our job as he discloses this to him, is to make that known and say, this is the will of my father, right? And, and this thing that's going on in this subculture society, this, this um, brokenness, this systemic poverty, this enslavement of people, this um, you know, abuse, these things that are so vile and contrary to my father's kingdom, it is my job to make that wisdom known and proclaim the word of my father because that word is powerful and effective and transformative, right? 
So this is our role in the family business. Our role is not to make it happen. Our role, we don't have the power to do it, but we have a mouth and we were given his word to proclaim it and to intercede and pray it and pray it and declare it, right? That is our role in the family business. And it's a wonderful role because as we uh, spend time in disclosure, he gives us his heart. Our job is to pray and pray and give our lives to see his kingdom come. And that's how God empowers us. That's, that's the calling. That's the vocation he's given us. He, he, he knit us together with a portion of himself that the expression of that looks like his kingdom coming in some scope or measure and way. Right? And prayer is uh, what drives that. It's what drives us. No man or woman is greater than his prayer life or her prayer life. No church is greater than his prayer life. We don't function without prayer. Everything is supposed to be derived from intimacy with God. On our intercession, perhaps above all else. So, uh, disappointment punches us in the face. I prayed in his name. Why didn't it happen? Luke 10, it's a chapter on prayer. The disciples come to Jesus. They want to know, you know, how do you pray? And he gives a, a definition that I think many of you have heard. He, you know, he says, you know, you, you ask uh, and it will be opened or you will, you will receive and you knock and the door will be opened and you seek and you will find. You heard this? But if you were to parse out the Greek, if you read the amplified version of the Bible, um, it, it actually reads this. If you ask and keep asking, knock and keep knocking, seek and keep seeking. Right, so the, the, the verbiage there, it's not like a one-time ask. That's not what Jesus is saying. Right? And this is reiterated again in the, in the parable of the persistent widow who goes to the righteous judge day after day after day demanding justice. And finally, she receives it just because of her perseverance, her persistence. Right? She's the persistent widow. Jesus is telling us you are in a battle in your prayer. This is not a one-time transaction. You are in a battle. Right? And there's something that necessitates follow through, follow through, follow through, follow through. It's not passive. It's not just wish-washy. Right? There's, a, there's, a, there's a force behind what we're praying, specifically in intercession. Right? And again, I want to pull out the paradigms here. So in the paradigm of praying to God, which again is just, it's, an, it's praying in a way that you are not in proximity to him. You are not connected to him. You're not in relationship with him. You're just kind of hoping to get to him, right? When we're praying to God in that manner, we will read these verses on perseverance in a way that eventually will usher us to a place where we begin to beg him, Right? I'm praying for this to happen. God, let this happen. God, let this happen. And if I think I'm praying to him over and over, eventually I'm just going to start begging him, do it, God, please, please, please do it. Are you following me? We, it's, this, it's like this spiritual begging that starts happening in our intercession. I remember years ago, my mom was very sick, and she, it was a very rough couple months, and my, I was just so burdened. I, I was just burdened while she's in pain. You don't want to see people you love in pain. And we were praying, and we were on a conference call, me and my brother and my mom, and we're just praying, and we just started, it was just all of a sudden, I just found myself, I was just begging God, please, God, please, 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 please. And right in the middle of the prayer, it was just like something in me is like, 
this isn't right. This isn't right. I'm not a beggar. I don't have more compassion than God does. He doesn't, I don't care about my mom more than God does, right? And, and I just, it was like this very uncomfortable paradigm shift for me. And I realized I've got to change the way I pray because this isn't working, right? And the reality is that if we start drifting into this place of begging God, this place of hopelessness in our prayer, um, we will not persevere because there's no grace attached to that. We will have no grace begging because we're royal. We are royal sons and daughters of God, and he doesn't want us coming to him begging. He paid his blood on a cross so that we could come to him with boldness. Hebrews 4 says, with boldness approach the throne of grace, that we can find mercy and receive grace in a time of need. There's nothing about begging. He doesn't ask us to be paupers at his door. He wants us with him where he is, seated with Christ in heavenly places. So we have to understand this paradigm just doesn't work. Okay, but if you switch and you start recognizing that I'm praying with him, I am praying his prayers back to him, right? So he's praying something over my mom. He's praying something over your family. He's praying something over the dysfunctional situation you have at work. He is praying something. Jesus lives to make intercession for you, for your life, for your family, for your future, for your destiny. He lives to make intercession. And when we start recognizing and we start coming into contact with what he's praying, then we pray it back to him and work with the same amount of passion, with the same amount of authority, but it's not our prayer. It's his prayer. And we will find the grace we need to persevere because that is, that's where the grace is. Because we're going to find it from him. We're going to be pushed and, 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 and drawn and encouraged because he's on that path too. Right? And we start recognizing, oh, I'm not trying to convince God to do something. I'm simply learning to come into partnership, partnership with him. And we are persevering this together when you are praying as a friend in this place recognizing that my job is to make known his will his wisdom to the spiritual forces of wickedness his rulers and authorities this is our job as the church right we pray doesn't happen, we get punched in the face to disappointment. Deeply punched, down, on the ground, knocked out, discouraged. Right? We, we can't go to this place of like, God, why didn't you, why didn't you answer my prayer? You know, we, we, our natural response so often is to get offended with God. Right? It's like, why? 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 I, don't, I don't understand, God. Why? You know, instead of recognizing, no, no, no. I'm praying with him. He's praying these prayers too. We're doing this together. And so if I get punched in the face by something, I recognize that's my Goliath. That must be the battle that God is drawing me into because I've got a word from the Lord. I've got a prayer. I've got an intercession groaning inside of me. And for some reason, that's not happening. So if it's standing between the will of God taking place on earth, that must be the, when you punch me, I'm going to fight. 
That must be the Goliath that I was made to slay. And so when you punch me, I'm going to get back on my two feet. I'm going to punch you back. And I'm going to punch you back the next day. I'm going to punch you back the next day. And I am going to persevere and knock and seek and keep seeking and keep knocking till I see that giant fall. Because I've got a promise that says I'm more than an overcomer. I've got scripture that says I'm more than a conqueror. I've got scripture that says he who's in me is greater than he who's in the world. So I'm not going to start questioning the goodness of God when I don't see his will happening. I'm going to keep interceding. I'm going to keep praying till I see my job that he gave me done. Amen? We're more than conquerors. We're not victims. We're not, we're not passive bystanders of life. We have been given an invitation to come into this powerful place of abiding with God and praying from his perspective into earth. And this is a journey that we're all growing on. Right? It's, it's easy to hear the story of, wow, you prayed that prayer and then it happened. Be like, well, I'm going to try to pray that prayer and make it happen. we got to recognize, no, no, what's behind that? History, time. Alone, solitude, adoration, worship, time, history, history. I'm growing in this connection. We're growing in our friendship. So our intercession is also growing in effectiveness because as I'm persevering through the difficulties and the, and the tensions and the time and the disappointments, I'm being purified. I'm being made more like him and I'm living more deeply connected to him. So I expect my prayers to be more powerful the longer I walk with him. Not because I'm more powerful, actually because I'm weaker, because I'm more dependent, because I'm more stripped of my flesh and I am now postured to just receive and be a pure con to it where whatever your heart is I'm going to serve your great heart King Jesus and stand in the gap so that you can receive the reward of your suffering and I will give my life and be a vessel that you can entrust your heart and your burdens and your desires to and I will persevere and steward these prayers that you put upon my heart until I see them come that's the heart of the intercessor that's the cry of the friend of God that's who he entrusts himself to. That's who he can use to see his kingdom come. And that's available to all of us. Come on. So we're going to um, close with a time to intercede. And uh, I'm going to have Jordan come up, and he's going to just play the keys. And I'm going to have the prayer team come up. And if you want someone to intercede with, you know, you could say, I have a burden for... Um, you know, whatever, um, they'll pray with you, and uh, you can make an altar at your seat, and um, really, it's just going to be a kind of a soft close, and you, you can slip out whenever you want, but I just want this to be a time and a space for prayer, um, and really just uh, wait on the Lord for a couple minutes, and let him put upon our hearts what it is that he wants us to pray in this time, and we're going to pray the prayers of Jesus. We're going to pray with God together, and we do this every Tuesday morning, so you can come then, too.
Lord, we thank you for this great privilege that you've given us to be your intercessors, God. Lord, we want to be a people that pray like the prophet Elisha. God, we want our eyes to be wide open to what you are doing, to what you are saying, to what you're thinking, to what you're praying. So we invite the great intercessor to come and breathe upon us tonight, God. Stir and awaken and fan a flame of intercession alive within our hearts, God. someone in here you felt very 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 alone the Lord wants you to know you're not alone tonight he sees you I feel like I see you asking does anybody see me does anybody care does anybody know about this great burden I'm carrying if that's you at just some point come receive prayer you're seen and you're known I feel like we're just supposed to pray right now for the uh, the outcasts and the broken of our city. I was driving by the train or the bus station this afternoon on my way to church and just seeing people that I know are living on the street. And I know that that's where the Lord loves to hang out. So, Lord, for those that are orphaned in our city, God, we pray that you bring them home. And even more, God, we pray that you compel us to bring home to them. God, for those that have a home under the, under the freeway, God, at the skate park, God, we ask that your kingdom come there. Lord, for those that are living life that look like success, but on the inside, they are broken and alone and afraid. God, we ask for liberty. God, for those that are walking through secret hidden addictions that don't feel like anyone would love them if they came clean. God, we ask that courage will come and, and open and break these chains and open their eyes that they're loved that they're loved. God, we ask that the message of grace will penetrate this city. God, it will break through our religious facades and it will pierce us with a conviction that we're loved. You don't love us who we're supposed to be. You love us for who we are, God. You love us, God. And we just ask for the simple gospel to go forth, God, to the marginalized, to the broken, to the medicated, to the addicted. We want to fill your heart for these people, God. I just ask, Lord, I just, for co-workers, specifically the people that you've put us in proximity with in our lives that on the inside, God, are just in so much pain. I 
I feel like you know them. You know them by name. Um, there's people that you know by name. You know that they're in pain. You, you can't get to them. I just feel like we just pray. Pray for them by name. Lift them up by name. think this. Just pray what comes to your heart. God, we pray salvation. I feel like some of you, you're, you're confused because the person you're thinking of, they're Christians, but they've been, they've been stuck. They've been stuck in this performance, religious thing. So God, we pray that you'll open eyes, even the eyes of those that have been lost, even within the church, God. You're near to the brokenhearted. You're near to the brokenhearted. Lord, we want to serve our city in prayer, God. We want to serve our valley in prayer, God. We want to serve. We want to serve your heart, Jesus. We want to serve our families in prayer. I just feel like specifically there's men in the room that you feel like, uh, I just see the words, abandoned your post to be a watchman on the wall. And if that's you, I just want you to come receive prayer right now. it's time it's time for us to be watchmen on the wall to pray to pray for our city to pray for our leaders to pray for our children to pray for our families to pray for our our, our, our workplaces to pray God that you've entrusted us as your people to be the conduits of your kingdom coming So we say, yes, God. We say, yes, God. Use us, God. Use us, God. We ask specific, God, we ask for testimonies. I ask for testimonies tonight. I feel like this is in your heart, Lord. I ask for testimonies of people saying, I have come. I'm a watchman on the wall. God, testimonies of the homeless and the addicted and the most broken standing and testifying of what God has done for the testimony. Lord, for people that have been lost in deep addiction, Lord, we ask for testimonies, God, that we will hear testimonies in this, in this very church, God, of people that were on heroin and methamphetamines, these things that are destroying lives, God. We ask for miracles of freedom to come because we know it's your heart, Lord. We ask, God, for the most broken, the most far out, God, for those stuck in the occult new age the spiritual seekers, that they will find you, Lord.
Lord, we love to pray with you. Lord, we believe things happen when we pray with you. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, but when he prayed, the rain stopped for three years. Lord, we want to pray and see the rain stop. We want to pray and see the rain start. We want to pray and see our world transformed because of it. So God, I ask for a spirit of boldness to rise up within your people, that when we pray, we pray bold prayers. We pray persistent prayers. And we become your intercessors, God. So we thank you, Jesus.